This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we just keep it shallow. I'm your host, Megan. I'm Kate. Get ready for all the spoilers. those i don't either i mean i guess we just dive in to the purge i guess we do oh uh, I, I i yeah <laughs> i always like I think <laughs> or not know, when we go from like our casual chat to like our podcast chat i always feel like my my voice and tone change yep yeah same for me yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that too oh my gosh okay yeah so we are here amazingly for season two. Yeah, we took two weeks off and felt like coming back. So we wanted to do The Purge with you guys. Yeah, there's a whole world of movies out there and we decided to get you guys with two back-to-back franchises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like The Purge. I have seen all of them. I think that the concept behind The Purge is really good. I think that they're actually pretty well done movies. They're they're very successful and it's a very well known franchise. So I don't think I'm in the minority of horror fans when I say that I, I enjoy them. Yeah, definitely not. I remember when this came out um, in 2013. We had actually just moved to the area, um, to the San Jose area, not long before, and I never watched it when it came out. I watched it later. Um, I'm not sure why, but it, it's something I've always watched casually. So I'm really excited about this season because I really spent a lot more time with it and um, have a lot of things to say about it. Yeah. Nice. So, so uh, like you said, this first one came out in 2013. It, it had a low budget, only $3 million. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But Kate, Saw 1 came out in 2004, and it had a $1.2 million uh-huh. budget, which is not yeah, a lot at all. Um, but it's nine years earlier. And so when I check the inflation rate, that inflation barely changes mm-hmm. that number. It's like oh, 1.4. Okay. So uh, yeah, like the Purge basically had the equivalent of twice the budget as Saw. It looks like it. I mean, you watch it, it and I think that the cinematography is great. I think that it feels – I mean, it's a very different type of movie. Saw is very gritty and kind of noir, thriller-esque in some of its influences. And this is a very, like, slick, like, early 2010s horror movie. So I think that the the art direction really helped with it, too, in addition to that you know, not fat budget, but, you know, twice as much budget as Saw. It has Ethan Hawke um, of, you know, Uma Thurman. <laughs> I was, I was literally going to say, like, what has he even been in besides a failed marriage to Uma Thurman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even going to go there. And then also Lena Headey, who was starring in Game of Thrones at the time. Her. So that was yeah, a big I, deal. I love Lena yeah. Headey. I know. it's um, It's got really good... Uh, cast. Um, it's funny because one of the notes I took was the beginning of the movie. 
has, I feel like, really good music too. Like, yeah, I felt yes. like the tone was set really well. And then it does kind of switch gears as the movie progresses where after those opening scenes with the music – it then doesn't really have any music throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's almost like a pulse that goes on along the movie. Um, Yeah. But back to that opening scene with Debussy's Claire de Lune. I love that. I thought it was Mm -hmm. so great. And I didn't really catch it the first time or think too much about it. But um, yeah, that piece is about Mm -hmm. moonlight, which I thought was really smart. All right. This is this is what happens when you see moonlight <laughs> in America now. People murdering each other all night. Oh, man. So let's give a very, very quick overview of what a purge is. Sure, hit it. Um, so essentially in this kind of all history, you know, um, slash slightly dystopic future, it's only 2022 in America, this movie came, did come out in 2013, but in 2022 America, um, one day a year. 12 hours. Uh, from March 21st to March 22nd, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., where crime is government sanctioned. Um, all moratoriums on crime and criminal behavior are totally lifted and people are allowed to go out and murder to their heart's content. They're really making America great again. With zero repercussions. And this is one of the totally crazy things in this movie is that the people in here are encouraged. They're not even just allowed to go out and commit these horribly violent crimes, but they're really actively encouraged in this, you know, all society of America to really, they use this phrase a lot, which is release the beast. Um, which yeah, which oh, is to yes. like let their primal <laughs> instincts out and just get all of their murdering out in one day. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard that line and I was like, is he talking about a car? <laughs> is he going to run run something over or like smash to their house? But I was like, oh, no, he's talking about himself. <laughs> he is the beast. And that's kind of goofy, <laughs> like funny. the release the beast. But it's just part of the propaganda of the purge. So we are in um, America 2022 and the movie opens with um, a couple of title cards. One says that ever since the purge was instituted, that crime um, has dropped in the U.S. and unemployment is under 1%. How did you feel about that? What what were, what was going through your head? Because I had some thoughts yeah, about that. Um, so I would say that some of the thoughts that I had, um, I'm always a deeply suspicious person when I watch horror movies. And so there was part of, of me course. that thought, well, maybe this is just government propaganda. Like, are they skewing some of these numbers to just justify it? Is it actually true that unemployment is under 1% or are they just saying this to be able to keep doing it? It seemed a little too good to be true. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, well, these these stats are from the movie people. Why would they lie? They have no <laughs> they have no skin in the game. They're just movie folks who are making a movie. Um, but I saw that and I was like, okay, how many poor people are murdered every year? How many people of color are yeah. murdered every year? Right? Like as opposed to, you know, what are all the stats on on this? Um, what do those numbers actually mean? I just thought it was very funny. I was like, that's such a obvious abuse of data. 
to get your point across. And and it's funny because that's just how you jump into this yeah, movie. Yeah, and this this movie, it doesn't – I mean, it definitely gets at that class and socioeconomic angle from one very specific lens. Um, but the thing that the series does really well is looking at how this purge and government system – affect people from all classes and how it does disproportionately affect poor people and people of color. And I think that um, it's a really like salient movie series to maybe rewatch in this climate that we're in right now. That actually, that's funny that you mentioned that. That comes up in a, I think it's like a radio blurb that you kind of overhear as Ethan Hawke, aka James, Sandin is driving home from work um and the the radio broadcaster has a guest on who says basically what you're saying um that this disproportionately affects people who are in poverty and and then the radio host goes well that's what's so great about America we've all got our own opinions (laughs) this movie like like occasionally gets really close to satire and it's like so good when it hits those notes because it is true like you hear that shit on the radios all the time where they're just like oh well that doesn't affect me so (laughs) you're welcome to think what you think yeah I know it's so so bad yeah yeah Yeah. so Ethan Hawke is this I gotta use their character names right whatever we're gonna flip (laughs) back and forth all right Ethan Hawke, James, whatever, he is driving home from work and he is like this rich motherfucker with this sassy little side smile that you'll see every so often. And he is just dying to get home and have dinner with his family so that he can tell them about like all the money he's making. And I was just like, God, I hate you. You're the worst. Yeah, it's, it's funny because this family that we're really supposed to be rooting for is like one of those kind of classic like do you really care about this family? <laughs> Do we want to care about this yeah. family? And he has made his money because he owns and produces these really intense security systems for people's houses. For all the McMansions all over the place in this fucking yep. movie, man. And oh my so, goodness. Um, and of course, everyone is very invested in security systems, especially these yuppie um or upper class people because of the perch. And so they live in this, you know, kind of gated community type area. It's really, really nice. And the entire movie takes place within this extremely wealthy community. And on the way home, he's just like, uh, stopping all his neighbors on the way and like, Hey, how are you doing? Are you ready for purge night? Are you safe? Like one last walk. And Kate, I just thought this was so funny. They he gets home, I think, and there's a title card or there's there's a note on the screen that says 62 minutes before purge yeah. starts, right? And I was like, what the fuck are you doing driving home from work an hour before purge night? Why aren't you just staying home from I work today? I think it's because it's so yeah. blase and in your face. Yeah, yeah I, think I it's, hate it. It really goes to show that these people feel untouchable. Like they have, yeah. they're like, oh, the purge isn't for us. Like we're going to go and we're going to pay for this extremely expensive security system. We're going to stockpile guns, but we're also going to like host purge parties where we just, you know, have our neighbors <laughs> over and we dress up and drink wine and we watch people murder each other on television. Like 
they just feel like they're so above it all that they're comfortable enough, you know, being out on the road an hour beforehand and just casually going up. And even, I mean, we see this when they're eating dinner, he like catches a look at the clock and he's like, oh, it's later than I thought it was. It's literally two minutes before the purge is going to start. And he's yes! like, better put the, the you know security system on. And it's like, why was this not armed as soon as you got home? I'm <laughs> like, have you ever seen a carpool lane? You know, like people don't wait. They don't wait for the time to change. They just hop I know, on that's in. That's what it. I was thinking too. And one of the questions I had was, what is stopping people from starting their purge five minutes to seven? Yeah. Or if people's clocks yeah. aren't synced, you know, there are oh only so many police in the United States. There are, right? If you think about it, like there are only so many police and there are so many millions of people that there is no way for people to actually regulate when a purge truly starts and ends. Like how is anyone held accountable yeah. to that? And you know, all these essential workers are going <laughs> home early and locking yeah. up. Because who wants to be there during purge night if you don't have to be? Oh, man. Yeah, he was just so, he's so calm about it all. And I just wanted to wring his neck. I know. Their whole family, you just, and as the movie goes, you see, they, they get that glass shattered. Right? Like, they, they think that they have all the luxury in the world to stay home, have a fun, pleasant family night in while the rest of the world is burning around them and that falls apart pretty quickly. Yeah. But Kate, don't say penis during dinner on purge night. <laughs> yeah. That's a oh big my gosh. deal. I know it I thought that, that was kind of like a funny like jab maybe at what are people's morals actually like? Like especially in America where it's like we're so fine with ultraviolence, but if anyone says something that's not the slightest bit prudish, then people lose their minds. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Because they're giving it, yeah, they're giving her a hard time. So uh James gets he gets home. He's, you know, seen all these neighbors on his way. I would say that the neighbor interactions between James on his drive home and then his wife, we get some cuts to her. She's mm-hmm. like walking outside with a neighbor and she gets some neighbor interactions too. They're like pleasantly tense. Yes. They all seem very uncomfortable. Yeah. And the woman who talks to Mary, AKA Lena Hetty, says, you know, she comments on the size of her house and how all these security systems are paying for their house to get be- mm-hmm. bigger and better. And, and Mary is like, what like put off by that and this woman goes you're too sensitive and I was like dude this is purge eve you don't say shit like that everyone's sensitive I know. what's wrong I know. with you there is just so much like foreboding like in this scene where one of the neighbors is like on his back patio like sharpening a machete like it's just a just a, such a bizarre society where everyone is being so casual about what's going to happen in under an hour at this point. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is like, I mean, I know it's not this exactly the same thing, of course. Um, but people are like that with masks. (laughs) They are. People are so casually blase about masks. Like I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to wear it. It's, it's kind of, yeah. yeah. I think that I'm just gonna leave that yeah, there. Yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna put that down and uh, give it some time. Just think about it. Yeah, 
All right. So we uh we get some um some B plot in the opening of this movie too with um some dumb teen romance stuff. We've got teen teen daughter Zoe. She's making out with her boyfriend in their uh in her bedroom. He makes her Okay, wait a second. Let's let's talk about this really quick. Okay, if a boy ever asked you to growl instead of saying I love you, I would laugh in his face. I would I would dump him. Yeah, I wouldn't I would not be into that. But I just wanted to call that out cuz I thought it was it's really so fucking weird. weird. But go- and the parents the parents <laughs> go hate ahead. him probably because he does shit like that all the time, but also because he's older than her. I think she's like 16, 17 and he's like 19 or something like that. Yeah, Something so like that. there's yeah. kind of a star cross. I don't even want to say star cross because that gives him Ugh. way too much credit. There's just some like he seems yeah, really just lame, some like yeah. gross teen relationship stuff that there's a lot of planting of the seeds early in this movie. There's interactions with the neighbors. There's the boyfriend yeah. who's got some tension with the dad. Um, boyfriend uh is asked to leave um because they're all getting ready for the purge they've got this dinner scene <laughs> he is at their house hide you know hiding out in their house less than an hour before the purge starts i know by the way like what it's is very ridiculous we also meet charlie the mm-hmm. little brother he's like the cliche nerd who you think is gonna save the day and he like kind of does in this movie in a way um, but he's driving this little robot. Did you think that was a Toy Story? Oh my story gosh, reference? I literally wrote down Toy Story. <laughs> I yeah. Think it, is. it must be. It looks just like it. It does. It's that little creepy baby with like a missing half a face that Sid mm-hmm. tortures in Toy Story. Yeah. I thought up. it was like a nice little callback, but he's got this little <laughs> robot that he can control and he's got these like kind of cool high tech glasses where he can actually see see the camera so he has been working on this robot to make it as silent as possible and really cleaned up the camera on it and so um he uses this camera to kind of spy around his house in the beginning of the movie here he also has a bunch of purge drawings up in his little room Mm -hmm. secret space and I saw that and I was like, oh, I would be very concerned if my kid was drawing stuff like this. It seems like very classic, like childhood trauma yeah. type of drawings that, you, that normally they like wave in front yeah. of like a child psychologist to be like, is there something wrong with right. my kid? But yeah. And now it's just normal. It's all very, very normalized here. And I think it's a, like I said, it's a, I think it's a pretty good, it's not funny, but it's a good satire of how American behavior is about so many things. Like I just, as you're watching this movie, it's really hard to separate the movie from the actual country that it's based on. So, yeah. Yeah. And then of course his mother notices that he's a little, he's a little on edge. I wonder why he could be on edge. And she asks him because she doesn't know, of course. And, and she says, is it, is it because of tonight? (laughs) Is it because of purge night? No fucking shit, <laughs> Lena Hetty. Jesus. Come on. Yeah. And it's so like ridiculous when they, he gets up to arm his house. And if this is that security system that they're all paying so much money for, it takes maybe 30 whole seconds to actually arm their whole house. And I was like, you decided to arm your house two minutes before seven. Someone could <sighs> easily throw a brick through your front window and just be inside Easily. of your house you know it's so ridiculous 
you know, it, it clicks over to seven and, uh, the family's all gathered in their like panic room type situation. And the TV, uh, takes over with government announcements and that fantastic purge siren sound goes off, which Mm -hmm. uh, do you remember in quarantine, the, the purge siren? Yes, I do. So there was um, a city, um, Crowley, Louisiana, to announce when lockdown was starting um, for their, I think it was their quarantine um, curfew. They they used the purge siren (laughs) to announce (laughs) that. Terrifying. So terrifying. (laughs) Why? Uh, I don't know. Can you imagine being that government official where someone was like, oh, just Google some siren noises. <laughs> yeah. And then the emergency broadcast at one point says, may God be with you all. And I was like, who cares? What difference does it make? <laughs> what a mess. Well, during this emergency broadcast, they also remind people of the rules of the purge. Right. Oh, let's talk about the rules of the purge. They, The big one is, of course, that from the hours of 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. that all crime, and then they make a point to call out explicitly, including murder. Yes. Just in case you didn't think murder would be included, murder is actually included. Oh my gosh, the Planned Parenthoods are packed. (laughs) I'm curious what abortion looks like in this future. I know, right? The other the other rules are kind of a little more functional. Certain government employees over mm-hmm. nation are exempt from the purge. It can't use this to get Trump. Yeah, or our Trump equivalent in this universe. Yeah. Surprisingly, also Trump. The other rule, and this one I loved, which was that um, all weapons class four and below are allowed. Uh, all other weapons are restricted. And so I looked up class four weapons because I didn't know what class four was and class four weapons are um, major destructive weapons, including bombs, grenades, and tanks. Oh my God. (laughs) If you had any mass acts of terrorism that you're interested in doing, just mark your calendar for March 21st. 2022. (laughs) That's basically telling people Whatever you can manage to get your hands on that's not like a nuke, you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny about these rules and the way we open this movie, I mean, I don't feel like people were being very creative in the opening uh, beat up scenes. Yeah, it felt like everyone was just using their hands. And I was like, guys, you can do whatever you want. Why is this all we're seeing? Your heart is not in this. Yeah, there's not a lot of creativity in this first one (laughs) in terms of what they do. It's very just like, oh, I'm going to murder someone, so I'm just going to make sure I keep a lot of guns on me. Or I'm just going to beat someone to death. There's not like – I mean, we're also coming right off of Saw, (laughs) which was very involved. Yeah, I just think if they're going to call out those types of weapons as being okay, then we should – see some i know you should see some in this movie i think we do see a little bit of what looks like art a little bit i mean because there's a lot of burning yeah. there's a lot of like just stuff on fire but i mean that could be a, a molotov. i mean we see that now yeah i know it could be a molotov <laughs> like it doesn't need to be a bomb but i thought that that was pretty funny and 
I think that that covers, I think, the major roles. Yeah. I have a question for you about that. I was thinking about that. So if you do something during purge, you're not going to get in trouble for it. But if you retaliate later, can you can you use what somebody has wronged you with during the purge? Like if somebody murders your husband or something, can that serve as a motivational as motivational evidence in a court of law? Or is it exempt because you did this during the purge? You know, in this dumb universe, they probably exempt it. I don't think it should be. I, do. I don't think it should be exempted, but there's this attitude like that's really pervasive in this movie that just, you know, oh yeah, this person's gonna go out. Oh, they use the phrase hunting. Isn't that so mm-hmm. gross? Because they don't so gross. Because in this really wealthy community, they don't purge each other. They go out hunting into the you know more urban areas of the city which is just so like it's so gross and horrible and they they don't look down on their neighbors for doing it you know they're just kind of like oh looks like bob's going out hunting with greg like who who knew that they were friends it's not even that they're like horrified that these people that their neighbors with are going to go out and murder innocent people They're just like, oh, I didn't know that those guys would go together to do it. After the emergency broadcast, the kids kind of, you can see that the kids are like not into this. They're kind of like, well, the daughter's rolling her eyes at her dad and the, and uh, Charlie actually questions the system. Hashtag nerd alert. (laughs) Um, And they kind of go off to their rooms and the parents are just sort of hanging out. We see upstairs with Zoe and Henry, um, Zoe Zoe is like listening to music. We get to see some old f- headphones to kind of date us mm-hmm. a little bit. They've got like cords and everything. And, pink. and Henry sneaks through the window on purge night because that's a good idea. And is like, hey, I'm going to talk your dad into letting us date, which seems like such a bad idea for purge night. I mean, he's got this really manic look in his eyes where I feel like she should have been picking up red flags immediately that he's like, Oh, I'm just, you know, gonna be here overnight on purge night to talk to your really tense dad about letting me continue to bone his underage daughter. It's fine. You know, it's. And they kind of go downstairs because he is saying, I'm going to talk to your dad. I'm going to talk to your dad, but they go downstairs and there's a couple of things that are happening simultaneously. So that's, that's Zoe and Henry. Um, We also see, this is the crux of the movie, right? This is where everything shifts. Charlie starts, well, he hears something and he wants to investigate it. And he sees on his dad's, you know, all those cameras that he has in his basement or whatever room that he uses to check the outside, that there is a, a black man outside calling for help. Charlie, who has just questioned the system, is like, I need to help this guy on purge night. <laughs> the the timing of this movie is is a little hard to track. So I think at this point we're we're, we're definitely a couple of hours into the purge. And so yeah. this guy is um he's in really kind of like not totally ragged, but he's in dirty clothes. He's bloody like he's there yeah. already been shot or ha- had been in a fight. Um, he's wearing dog tags. 
Charlie, he disarms the house and he runs to the front door and he's yelling at the guy to just get into the house. And of course, both of the parents like panic because they, they're adults. They know that bringing a stranger into your house on purge night is probably not the thing you you just don't know you don't know if they're really a victim or if they're gonna kill you right i mean i'm sure that there are very savvy people who try and pull the i'm a victim let me in so i can kill you trick yeah and and i remember thinking that when the first time i watched this i was like oh this is how the bad guy gets kicked off and, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I assume this was the bad yeah, guy I mean, in the movie. How much would that suck, though, if, like, the one black guy in the movie is the villain? <laughs> I know. Jesus. But this brings me to a question that I had for you, which is, if there were the actual purge, would you try and hide and barricade yourself in your house? Or do you think it would actually be safer to try and be out in the world somewhere? I would spend whatever I had to spend to get out of this country. That's what I would do. I I don't know. I'm trying to think, you know, if I didn't have even that option for some reason, what I would do, I'd probably barricade the windows and doors as best I could, even though it's an apartment and I'd have to pay for all the repairs (laughs) afterwards. I, that's, I feel like what the, the best I could do in this situation. I feel like being outside, just even if it was camping or like in the middle of nowhere, like, you know, if people had this type of opportunity, I don't trust the type of people who would take advantage of it. I I can totally get that. I don't think that there's a, yeah, a great way to barricade my house, but I do have a basement. So I think that I would try and turn the basement into like a panic room type thing. And I think that that would help. Um, and I just imagine in this society, because it's basically America, that leaving the country would be the absolute best thing that you could do. But I would not be surprised if like the Canadian government was like, we do not allow Americans into our country that entire week, (laughs) like every year, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I I feel like I'd have to go on like a, a vacation. Like, I wonder if there would be like purge tours. Where they're like, oh, <laughs> oh I'll go goodness. on this like purge cruise oh. that's like somewhere that's like not that far away from the continental U.S. But you're like you're not actually in the continental U.S. So you're immune to the purge. I was going to say it would be kind of interesting to if if other countries brought people over on safari. Oh, for I bet people do. Purge safari, yes. I bet is totally yes. a thing where it's just like, oh my like God. murder tourism. Of course. That's what we're going to do next, Kate. It's going to be global purge. Yeah. I mean, I do like purge safari. <laughs> yeah, purge safari. Yeah. <laughs> we have Charlie who has successfully gotten this guy into the house. James has um, pulled a gun and he's got a, a gun pointed at um, the guy who just came in. This guy who just came in, uh, he's never named in the movie, so unfortunately, we're just gonna have to call him the guy or the black guy, or the homeless guy, or the homeless guy. I'm not any. They other. say that he's homeless. I don't know. They do. They do. He doesn't look he doesn't homeless, look but they homeless. Re- yeah, they call him the homeless swine a lot. Yeah, and if he is homeless, yeah. then he's definitely a homeless veteran based on his dog tags. Which yeah, is just so sad and also just like america yeah as he's pointing a gun things are tense people are yelling 
Henry and Zoe are coming downstairs and Henry himself <laughs> pulls a gun on the dad and it's just mayhem. Boyfriend of the year. Yeah, he sucks. We hate Henry. And the dad, um, he is surprisingly well-trained in guns because he is able to, to just ba- essentially shoot and kill Henry. He doesn't die immediately, yeah. but he he nails him pretty immediately. He does. And I was like, God, thank you. This guy is the only one I hate more in this movie than you, Ethan Hawke. <laughs> um, Zoe and Henry um, kind of drag themselves back upstairs. The homeless guy, he takes off into the house. You know, it's just chaos. And so James goes back upstairs. He's like, I got to just make sure that my daughter is okay and that he knows where she is. And so he goes upstairs and he sees that Henry is has died. He's died on her bedroom floor, but he cannot find Zoe. Um, at the same time, Charlie has gone back to their security cam room where they've got all these TVs. And Charlie notices that there are quite a few people who have started to gather outside of their house. Yeah, these purgers, these purgers come to the house because somehow they know where this guy has gone. You didn't really see them tailing him, but they have come to the neighborhood. They they f- have found out where he is, this, this guy that they're chasing. And they tell the family, you know, if you guys do not give us this homeless swine, then we are going to find a way in and they will get in. Basically, they will be able to get in. They have the tools for it. They have the weapons. And um, this sort of there's a lot going on here. I felt like, you know, it's a realization that, oh, these guys don't have immunity from this money cannot solve all this for you you're gonna have to deal with this guy Mm -hmm. but he this perjure also puts this into a perspective that i thought was a bit odd for the for the scenario um or for the alternate universe Mm -hmm. of america um so like we were saying earlier it's considered very patriotic to take part in the purge and to support the purge you see a lot of this happening there's a lot of propaganda everyone's saying have a safe night that's that's like a thing you say on purge day Mm -hmm. so harboring victims is considered unpatriotic in this in this world um keeping protecting people from the purge is considered not cool but Look at how much work is being put into hiding yourself. Why is hiding yourself okay, but not helping other people hide? I guess that one of the things that I noticed in this scene is that the main purger, who, if you look at the credits, he's called the polite leader. This polite leader, when he's talking to James, he's trying to level with him, you know, where he's like, we are the haves. And the unspoken thing here is the guy that they're going after is one of the have-nots. And he says that um, he wants the homeless guy to be returned to him so that they can purge as they're entitled. And this is really like pretty explicit that they just feel like they, it's not even that they're owed this. They just feel like they're allowed to have it. They're entitled to have whatever they want. And so I think it's not that it's unpatriotic to hide. I think that they're the kind of people who would say, 
you're infringing on my freedom to kill someone and that's making you unpatriotic. It's like- Just like coronavirus. Just like coronavirus, (laughs) just like the right to bear arms, just like all that shit. But I was like, why are you guys going through all this trouble to find this guy? Like, just go find some other dude. There's plenty of homeless people for you to knock out. It was very strange to me. But anyways, I, I, yeah, it brought up a lot of questions. And then Ethan Hawke at some point, like, in this block of time says something like, things like this aren't supposed to happen in our neighborhood. And I was like, okay, this guy deserves it. (laughs) I was like switching back into saw mode and I was like, get him, get him. (laughs) I know. We still have all these jigsaw ethics like rattling around in our brain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, so they're saying like, you got to give us this guy. The problem is, is that they don't even know where this guy is in their house. Um, the power has been tripped and so their house is totally dark and their house is enormous. It is an enormously Mm -hmm. large house and it's totally dark. They're all freaked out and he is hidden. Yeah. They really play up the man's house as his castle in this episode. This is like a bunch of rich people in a bunch of giant mansions Um, And they look like fortresses. They look like they should be impenetrable. Mm -hmm. Um, The doors that Mary opens to get into her house are ridiculous. I was like, what? 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 How is that? a? How can you move that door? It's huge. It looks so heavy. (laughs) Right. And Charlie, our our good kid here, he uh, sends his little Toy Story camera through the house to try and find the guy who's hiding because he wants to to show him a safe place because I think Charlie Charlie twigs that if his parents find this guy, his parents are definitely going to be shoving this guy through the front door. Okay, that was my next question. If this were your family, if this were you in this situation, do you think you would toss the homeless guy out or do you think you would try to protect him? It's hard to say. So I don't have kids. um, And I think that that is something that makes a really big difference. I think if Mm -hmm. it were just me and Mike, I would harbor someone. um, And I would like to think that if I had kids that I would harbor someone also if I were as confident in my security system as these guys are. Um, I think that when you have kids, I'm willing to bet that people would say, you know, if the risk is me, my spouse and my children dying um, in order to save one person versus tossing this person I don't know out to the wolves and maybe they live, maybe they die. It's not my problem. I feel like people with kids would maybe make that choice. Um, but I would like to think that I would try and keep this guy safe. Yeah. I'm glad you answered. Cause I didn't know how to answer it. I figured I would just let you look like a jerk or not. <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I did a very <laughs> political answer there. I don't even know if that's like, I was basically like, I think I do the right thing unless I had kids in which case who knows what I would do. <laughs> I, yeah, I was thinking about this. I was just like, well, he would have died if I had, if, you know, so, okay, I need to go back a little bit. Charlie opening the door is something I never would have done. I would have been hiding in a room. Mm -hmm. I would have been trying to ignore the reality that I'm living in. And I would have, you know, just everyone outside is fucked, right? Like that's the world this is. So I feel like, if a homeless guy had gotten in and wasn't hurting me and people were coming after him, 
I'd probably just lie and say that they he went somewhere else. I don't know. I'd probably die, Kate. Is what I is what I, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could shove somebody out. I just don't know that I could. Do I don't. It. I think if someone were already in my house, I don't think yeah. I could shove them out. I think that you're totally right in the it's the letting them in. Yes, that would be difficult because I think that that guy could have just been a victim of people, but at the same time, they didn't actually know right that he was a victim at that point, I think that trying to make that call on the fly would be almost impossible. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's very lucky that Charlie in this movie made the right moral call. It's totally possible that he would have made the moral call and his entire family could have died from this guy. Exactly. So it's tough. It's, I feel like this movie maybe has some more, not realistic conundrums, but like, some real like ethical quandaries that maybe the Saw movies don't have. Like, cause the Saw movies yeah. are so extreme that yeah. it's pretty easy to be like, oh, I would never do anything in the Saw movies. <laughs> and it's really sad to think that this movie does not feel extreme because it doesn't feel that extreme to me. I feel like these are good things for me to weigh in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> you question, question for you Did you find this movie scary? No, I didn't. In fact, this this part of the movie that we're about to get into, I thought was it's 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 the sus- most suspenseful part. It's when they're you know walking quietly around the house trying to find the the homeless guy and and their kids, and it's dark and you know they don't have they're not making any sound, but it was just boring. You know, I was like this this is this is a search and rescue thing because their damn house is so big. Mm-hmm. So I was like annoyed. <laughs> And, and I was like, all right, I need something to happen. So no, I didn't really find it that scary. It's not, to be honest. yeah, it's not that scary. I don't think any of them are that scary. Um, even the parts that are trying to be scary aren't really scary. I don't know if it's the music or the atmosphere or what, but it just doesn't quite deliver a punch to it. But it's still, I still think it's a, it's an interesting movie. I think it's better if you yeah. think of it as like a thriller. Movie. I think so too. Yeah. Zoe is somewhere in the house. Charlie, Charlie is, is somewhere in the house. He's somewhere in the house. The mom and the dad both have guns looking for um, the guy who's hiding. Where are we at now? So we've got the purgers outside of the house who are getting progressively more irritated that they're not allowed to come in and kill this guy. Yeah, and they want the family to deliver him, which is, you know that's a horrible thing to do in front of your kid. <laughs> um, eventually they do get a hold of this homeless guy. He's, he's, he gets into, um, he gets Zoe because Zoe decides to also hide out in the little hidey hole. And so they come upon him using Zoe as a hostage to gain some kind of leverage, something so that he can stay safe throughout the night. And Ethan Hawk. And him get into a tussle and Lena Headey gets involved. This is where everybody sort of comes onto the scene at the same time. And they do eventually take this homeless guy out and Ethan Hawke starts taping him to a chair to be delivered to uh, to the dudes outside, the purgers outside. And he says, you are going to die tonight yeah. to that guy. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you said that in front of your kids. This is a horrible society. I mean, and this is actually where his family, where James's own family starts to turn on him. Yeah. Charlie is 
yelling at them to stop because James is telling Mary to press on the bullet hole wound to try and make him comply. And she does it and he's like screaming in pain and he finally complies with them. And afterwards the wife is crying and she's, and she's saying like, don't touch me. This is so wrong. Like it, it's like that moment actually breaks whatever in his was in Lena Hetty to realize how the situation is so bad. Charlie, who's this whole time already thought the situation was so bad is already there yeah. And the daughter is basically, like, numb just watching the whole thing. Yeah. And it's so funny to see Lena Headey give a shit because I'm just so used to her being Cersei (laughs) (laughs) and hate everybody. (laughs) And so after this, the the daughter says, you know, nothing is ever going to be okay again. And it's like, okay, so there is still something in humanity that is letting these people realize like, oh, we don't get get to just do this and be terrible people and then go back to our normal lives after this. Well, Zoe is, let's say she's 17. I can't remember exactly how old she is in the movie, but yeah, 17 in 2022. So the year the movie came out, how old would she be? Like 2013. Yeah. So she'd be like um, eight or nine, nine or 10, whatever. And she would have grown up with this. Yeah, I mean, she would have a good memory of what life was like before the purge. She would, but you know, so would the parents. It's, it's so, it's so interesting to see the kids juxtaposed against the parents and how they all process this reality that they have slipped into within their own lifetimes. It would be interesting to see what somebody born in this world Uh, how they handle it. Some people are just so on board with it. And you see some people who resist it. You get people like the mom who is not, she's not horrified by it at the beginning, but then as soon as she has like any actual involvement with it at all, she's immediately off board. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's funny to see all the different reactions. So it's, um, it's a good movie franchise in that it doesn't just give you one perspective on how these events affect people in the U.S. And who would want to raise kids in a world like this anyway? I have such a hard time imagining people staying in this country. Yeah. Um, But at this point, we do do switch over into the act. What act? We're basically in the third act here, yeah. Fourth act, I don't know. Third act, yeah. The purgers do get into the house. They have... They've given up on waiting. The family has decided they're going to be nice and let this guy stay mm-hmm. after they dig into his wounds with a mail opener. <laughs> um, ugh. Um, yeah, but they get inside and they are kind of like stalking this family through their giant house in their prep school uniforms and masks. They just seem like they're out on like a summer picnic. Like the attitude is just so like, they're here for fun. They're also in kind of the same attitude where even though they're participating in the purge, they also feel like they're untouchable in the purge. Right. And that they just have total control over the situation. The parents, so James and Mary, they decide, you know, that they're going to stay in the house and they're going to fight. They're not going to give up the guy uh, to them. They're going to load the kids up with guns, load themselves up with guns, and they're going to try and defend their house. And 
they're pretty bad at it. They're not great at defending their house. It's so frustrating because their house is huge. And so any person who's a stranger to that house would have a difficult time navigating it. And I actually really Mm -hmm. enjoy this part of like home invasion movies typically where the people who know their house best have, um, what is it? Home field advantage. Their advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Over like, oh, I know that this staircase has like an extra alcove in it. So I'm just going to step into here and then shoot you as you come up, you know? So you'd expect that kind of thing to happen here. And then it just doesn't happen. But one thing I do appreciate about this segment where they are gallivanting around the house and smashing, smashing shit off the walls and stuff is that they don't really talk. Because these people seem very annoying. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they're given very little dialogue, which is helpful. I love it. But James gets in, into a scuffle with some perjurer. Um, and he takes him out. He, he does a pretty decent job for a while. But like you're talking about, the polite leader is waiting for him behind a door and, yeah, and gets him. stabs him. Um, gets him in yeah. the gut. You know, he's totally surprised Ethan Hawke out of nowhere and stabs him in the gut. The polite leader looks like he's shaking. Doesn't he look bothered? He does. I think to you. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was because he was like, I didn't want to have to kill one of my own kind or what. Mm. Like he I don't know. I couldn't really read like why exactly he was so shaken by it. If not that by this point, Ethan Hawke's character had killed a handful of the other mass thugs that are in there. Right. Yeah. I thought this guy in general was a, a good actor. I really did like his character. Yeah, I thought that he was good too. So we've got the kids. Um, the dad is like valiantly fighting and takes down four different mass thugs. Zoe's hiding under a bed. She fortunately doesn't get found. Charlie was in the basement with a gun and he immediately gets overpowered by one of these masked guys. The dad yeah. like makes it in and, sh- and shoots the guy before Charlie's able to get murdered. Mary gets captured and tickled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't heck? know. Just trying to buy time, I guess, so that the neighbors can come in because twist, uh, the neighbors show up um, and they uh, kill a handful of the perchers. And you as an audience think, oh, great, the neighbors are here to help their friends. But again, twist surprise, the neighbors are actually there to purge this whole family. And and Zoe also kills, eventually does kill the polite leader at this point also. So we lose him, which made me really sad because I was really hoping he'd come back. Yeah, episodes. he's a good villain. He's a good lead. He's good. But nope, alas, he gets killed by Zoe. This, the end of this movie, I feel like we're moving kind of fast through it, but it's really, it's a, sh- it's a short movie. It's 85 minutes. It's 85 minutes, including credits. So, And a lot of it is is suspense, like walking through the house, basically. And there's not a lot to unpack there. Oh my gosh, Kate. So they, they say this line, you're ours, not theirs. It's that sense of entitlement, again, where they're just like, like, oh, we don't want to see them killed by anyone. We want to have the satisfaction of getting to kill them. To me, that that tells me right away that the purge is not actually helpful. <laughs> like those stats at the beginning, there's something wrong with them because these people normally would not kill their neighbors. They just wouldn't. But now they've been given they're you know a blessing from the government go ahead do whatever you want 
And now they're out here. They're actually killing murderers so that they themselves can murder. That's so extreme. Is that what rich people are really like? (laughs) I mean, they were really close to all dying already, but they felt like they had to come in, kill an additional like six people, and then also kill this whole family. They could have just let those bozos do their dirty work, but they chose not to. Yeah, and they... They've got them surrounded. They do this like creepy cult prayer over them before they yes. can. The whole country is I now know. a cult. And um, who comes out of nowhere is homeless guy. He's stuck around trying to help out this family for some reason. And he shoots one of the neighbors. The only Asian neighbor, by the way. With that, the kids and the mom and the homeless guy are able to uh, take over the neighbors and kind of subdue them. And I really actually love this ending scene where Mary is sitting at the table with all the neighbors and she's basically making them run out the clock. So they're all looking at this clock, waiting for it to hit 7 a.m. Gotta they've wait for got, seven. They've all got their eyes on them. And one of the neighbor women like lunges for the gun to try and like shoot them. And I love this part is that <laughs> Lena Hetty, she grabs yeah. like the stock of the gun and just like rams it back into her face and like totally fucks up her nose and grabs her head and slams into a glass table. And she's like, what did I say? No one else is getting murdered tonight. It's so good. It's, it's so really good. satisfying. I love that scene. I, I laughed so hard when I saw that the first time. Like, wow, I did not expect that. I definitely expected this woman to reach for a gun, but I did not expect that reaction from Lena Headey. It was great. It's really good. I love, I love it part. too. It's like, then the siren goes off and uh, all the neighbors leave. And um, <laughs> promptly at promptly 7 a.m. They go back to their lives and... Homeless guy, um, he he heads out and she she thanks him and credits. That's the movie. We do get some overlay audio over the credits where we hear that this was the most successful purge. Yeah, and uh, Dallas had the <laughs> I was like, what does Dallas that mean? Dallas had the most participants. Um, two hundred <laughs> people in the town square purging at the same time. Like. Why are we celebrating this as a country? This is terrible. This is what a successful purge looks like. Yeah, it's so wild. And of course, there's the American Morning News Report radio talking about all of the people who got murdered in various cities. There's one where they say that they went into downtown Los Angeles and there's just bodies everywhere. And it's so gross and awful. And they're just treating it like regular news spectacle. And... They even say at one point that there's 364 short days before the next purge. <gasps> Ugh, it's so, like, chilling. I know. They're treating it like Christmas. They're like, oh, yeah, we got to talk yeah. about this as much as we can because we have to wait a whole year for the next one. I did a kill count. Oh. Oh, I'm excited about this. We just basically, this whole movie... Um, except for the opening like 60 seconds of the movie where James is driving into his neighborhood. Um, the rest of the movie takes place 100% inside of this house. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to think about this where we're, we are looking at one house in one wealthy suburb <laughs> in like a subdivision of like a larger city. And there are, are at least 14 people dead by the end of this movie Jeez. just in this one 
house in one neighborhood. Oh my gosh. I said at least 14 because we've got hen- – so I'll start with the ones that the dad kills. So the dad kills Henry the boyfriend. He kills um, four masked thugs who are guys, and then he kills one of the girl masked strangers. And then po- polite leader kills masked stranger who's his friend, um, and he kills James the dad. Um, and then the neighbors kill two of the masked guys on camera. And then I they kill at least two others in the other room when they first walk in. But we don't actually see how many are killed. Jeez. And then Zoe kills the polite leader. The black guy kills the neighbor. And that's everyone that we see die within the house. So who is the winner of the purge? In terms of kill count? Mm-hmm. That's how we measure success, apparently. The, the, in the dad, school. for sure. Yeah, he killed six people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Good job, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, and he he killed only people who were trying to kill him. That's fair. So I, it was all kind of in self-defense, whereas I think, um, yeah, polite leader, I don't think that we can say that he was doing anything in self-defense. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so I think that I think that he probably if we're gonna use that criteria, I think the dad wins. Yeah. So, question for mm-hmm. you how How do you face your neighbors the next day? I don't think you can, and I think that I think that these people are so isolated, like in their communities, that they have never had to actually witness their neighbors killing someone else or trying to to harm them, and so they're able to compartmentalize that. And now that those boundaries have been crossed, I don't think that you go back to normal. Yeah. I feel like I would want to move immediately. I mean, that's a long time coming in this world. But if you have this kind of money, why stay in this neighborhood where people are going to try and kill you every purge? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if I found out that my neighbors were... Um, enthusiastically participating in the purge. If my neighbors were like, oh, we're getting all our gear together to go hunting. Do you want to come with us? I would be like, oh, you know, I'm a little tired from last night, but thanks for the offer. And then as soon as they left, I would like pack up my shit and leave. Like there's no way I'd want to stay in this area because their neighbors want to kill them just because they're jealous over how much money they have. And they all have a ton of money. Like, how much money do they need? It's so it's, arbitrary. Ugh, God. Ugh. Eat the rich, man. That's what I got from this movie. <laughs> oh, man. I know. And this was only 12 hours. Yeah, I know. Just 12 hours of The Purge. Oh, man. Well, do you have a recommendation or review for this one? Yeah, I do. I think this is a really fun horror movie. I I don't know if I would qualify it as horror for myself, but I can see why others would find it a hor- uh, horrifying in some sense. It feels very relevant to today and also four years ago. Um, and I remember thinking at the time that it was like the next cool horror movie idea because I had just, you know, we, we had been on a, a saw high for a while there. Um, and that had been the most recent you know, cool horror idea that I had experienced. So I was really, really happy when this movie came out. And I and I did really enjoy it. 
it's not my personal favorite type of horror movie, but I thought it was fun and I liked all of the stuff it made me think about as I was watching it. Like it gave me real, um, real world things to think about that don't seem so far out of the realm of reality that it's silly to think about them. So I enjoyed that as well. Um, overall, I, I do recommend it if you like horror movies. That's how I'll end it. I'll end it like with my voice going up. So it sounds like I'm going to keep going, but I'm actually not. Okay. I totally agree. I would recommend this movie to just any any horror fan. It's not it's not scary. It's not true horror. I think that even if you don't really like scary movies, but you can handle thriller type movies, that this is a great movie series for you. Um, I think that this first one does a good job of world building. Like they do such a convincing job setting the atmosphere with radio and TV in the background and casual dialogue that's happening. You really feel like this was a well thought out movie. And I think that it's really sets the stage for the sequels to come as well. I think that it was well done. I think that it was relatively low budget, um, all things considered, and they were able to do a, um, a great job with it. I think that the satire elements are pretty great. I wish that it was willing to lean a little bit more into those elements, at least in this first one, um, because it is so darkly funny, Um, but they do play a lot of it fairly straight. I think that um, it's great though, and I would give it, I don't know, four out of five masks. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, and that's uh, that's The Purge 1. Um, stay tuned. We've got three more movies to go after this. And if we can think of any bonus content, maybe we'll throw in a mini-soda or two and, and see where we, we take it. Yeah, I hope you guys like this season. So I guess we'll see you with the next Purge. This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're feeling a little weird or a little crazy, why don't you try listening to our episodes out of order? Why not? Or not. Listen to them in order, as intended. Either way, thanks for listening. And happy hunting.